1: Everyone, welcome to the Roto grinders News Morning Grind podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Monday, it's October 12th, it's 2020, and uh, it's NFL week five review time. I'm joined by my good buddy Jordan Cooper, Blenderhead. How are you doing, my friend?
2: Uh, fine, but if if you're listening to this now, it's quite possible we don't even know who won on FanDuel.
1: Duel. <laughs> um, listen i i just i would rather than just refund all the nascar entries for today um I, I don't want to see um how much money i lost so uh they they can take their time
2: <laughs> well, i think the it, nascar scoring was fine i mean i i think college football i mean we're gonna have to I, I, the presidential election is going to be decided by the time some of these slates get paid out
1: uh nascar was not fine uh it's messed up too so like it, that's what i'm <laughs> saying though like I'd rather it I'd rather not see how my teams did because I know I know who I was overweight on and um he spun with five laps to go so um it's been that kind of year for me but yeah anyway we're gonna talk um like we always do on Monday we're gonna go through review week five from our perspective of like looking at results DB we'll talk about how we decided on our cash lineups um and then we had a couple of questions on Twitter and, you know, we'll get to those um, towards the end as well. Um, so, um, listen, I, I'm not even, I'm not even going to like joke around Don't, don't tell me
2: you played Drake again. Okay. Did you play Drake? Again? No,
1: I, I did not play Drake again. I did get crushed. Um, the main slate was terrible for me. The afternoon slate saved my weekend because it was going to be really, really bad. Um, so I'll let you go first. That's kind of how we've been doing it. Um, and then you can, you can, um, so, all right, we're going to, we're going to get to this anyway, but I knew there was three chalky running backs and I wanted to get off of one of them and I didn't get off the wrong, right one. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so give me, give me your cash line up here.
2: Okay. So this is for DK only. I mean, we're going through results DB, which is because they have the CSVs. So if you're on FanDuel, it doesn't even matter if you're on FanDuel, Who knows who won there? Who knows how many people scored? So it doesn't even matter. But on DraftKings, I saw uh, several clear build opportunities. I mean, we had a very unique situation where we had to wait until uh, 90 minutes before to see if Julio Jones was going to play, because that promoted uh, Olamide Zacchaeus into a 70 80% snap share. I uh, didn't do much with it, but I mean, Matt Ryan sucks. So you can't really necessarily blame him. So I looked at my builds as uh, the running backs. You're going to probably play three out of these five. I consider to be viable in cash. One was Ezekiel Zeke Elliott. Two was Mike Davis. Three was Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Four was Kareem hunt and five was David Johnson. Like if you need the money, David Johnson was, was too cheap for Texans having a high total. Uh, I mean, he got 12 points, but that's all you needed out of him. So at uh, at wide receiver, you probably were playing one of the Panthers receivers, whether it be Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore, probably Robbie Anderson. Uh, Darius Slayton uh, in your wide receiver slot uh, for 4,800 against the Cowboys. And then Olamide Zaccheaus for, th- for 3,000. Uh, at tight end, probably were going like, if you were going up, you were probably going up to Kelsey. If you're going to play in the middle, you're probably playing uh, Evan Ingram. And if you're going down because Akins was out, Darren Fells was an option at 3,400. Defense really doesn't matter, but you probably played something like the Browns or the Texans, or you paid up and played for the played the Steelers. And then a quarterback, uh, to me, the, the, were, there were four options at quarterback for cash. Uh, either you're paying all the way up for Lamar, Deshaun Watson, 6,900 Teddy Bridgewater at 5,900 or uh Daniel Jones at 5,400 uh, because of the Zacchaeus was in like, it it left you enough money that you could like, you could spend it whichever way you want. I didn't think it was a necessity to pay up at quarterback, but if you got up there, you got up there. I didn't think it was a necessity to pay up at wide receiver past Robbie Anderson. So I didn't think there was a need to play Hopkins or Ridley or Cooper or any of those guys uh, you could, you could find just, just as well. If you weren't going to play Zacchaeus or you were not going to play Slayton or it, you, you probably were in the 4k range. And I think you could have played someone like Brandon cooks, higher variance, but you could have played him. Uh, Sammy Watkins at 4,600. I wouldn't have called you nuts if you played LaVisca Chenault in that range, golden Tate in that range. That's what I would have done. If if uh, Julio Jones was ruled in, it would have pretty much taken uh, uh, Ozy like, out of contention. And I probably would have played, like, Cooks or Watkins. And then fiddled around, probably went down. Because I played my final lineup uh, in cash games was uh, Watson, C.E.H., uh, Davis, Zeke, Anderson, Slayton, Zacchaeus, Ingram, uh, Steelers defense, one sixty point, whatever it cashed in, in all my double ups. I got like 66% of my head to heads. Uh, but I, I saw, I saw the blitz was like a two V two off of that, where you played Lamar and, uh, the Browns defense, but like, I just didn't think like, is there a need to, is there a need to pay up? And I also knew that in the higher stakes, Watson was going to be chalk. So like, to me, like it didn't matter. Truthfully, I think Bridgewater was a great play at 5,900, but then you go down and you don't know what to spend up on. So like I was considering going up from Engram to Kelsey and figuring it out, like playing Bridgewater or Jones and doing that. Or in the case of not playing Zacchaeus, I would have, you know, possibly pivoted out of the three running backs that I played to me, Zeke and Davis were the two, like, I wasn't removing them from my cash lineup. C.E.H., was the one where I could turn that into Hunt. I could, t- if I needed the 300 or if I needed even more, turn it into David Johnson. Uh, but since I had Watson, I didn't think I needed David Johnson. I would have done something like DJ, Kelsey, Bridgewater, some some type of line of it, and then defense is whatever's left. It doesn't really matter to me. So so to me, uh, that, because I just thought uh, for uh, compa- on those three running backs, the Chiefs have so many more options. I mean, it's one thing that I did big in GPP, like my highest exposed stacks were KC Raiders stacks by fading Ceh and playing Mahomes, Watkins, Hill, Kelsey, those types of players. And then I one well, percent rugs run back. Uh, he did well, or or Waller as a run back, or Jacobs as a run back, because I was just trying to pivot off of Ceh chalk. And what's negatively correlated to that would be the passing stacks. So I think out, out of all those, I'm Davis, I, I don't know how you take Davis out of the lineup. He's essentially 90% of CMC, and he's going to be on the field like 90% of the time. Zeke is expensive, okay. If you didn't take, if you took Zeke, if you didn't play Zeke and you played someone else instead, at least I could someone understand that. But I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to be talking about how you could not take Davis out of your cash lineup, and Steve is going to tell me he took him out of his cash lineup.
1: First guy in, highest zone guy for me in tournaments, too. I, I was playing Mike Davis no matter what. So, um, we're really close. Like, what stinks, like, I, I almost wish Julio played because, like, my backup lineup, like, it was a 3v3 swap and, like, it would probably put up, like, 170 or something like that. I, yeah, I that's exactly
2: that. what I was saying. Cause when Ozy puts yeah. up 2.3, I'm like, dude, I would have had, like, I would have probably had Cooks or Walk. I mean, Watkins put up 10 points, so that's still fine like I would have made I would have actually made a better lineup I would have been on like Bridgewater and yeah would have scored yeah, more Yeah
1: Bridgewater I had Bridgewater CD Bridgewater CD and Slayton was was my uh, so I went Watson CEH Davis Amari Cooper Robbie Anderson Zacatus Ingram Hunt Dolphins defense um so like my 3v3 was if Zacatus wasn't going to be in play I was going down from Amari to CD lamb and then put it in Slayton and um, playing Bridgewater. So like my three, v three swap, um, I was, I was, you know, now I wish really would have played, but I, I liked my team. Like, I'm not even mad about my team. I didn't make money today. Um, like I said, the afternoon slate really saved me. Like it was like a minus minus one twenty day. and like, I don't think I cashed hardly anything on the main slate. So I debated all morning on whether or not to play C H or Zeke Elliott. Like, that was the I, – I was not going to play one of those chalky running backs because I wanted to play Hunt, and Hunt did really well. He didn't kill me. Uh, Amari Cooper killed me. Like, that, that was what killed me. The Miami Dolphins defense put up 12. But, like, Amari Cooper, four points from a guy that's 7,400 at a wide receiver position where you're just paying for his floor. Like, Amari Cooper puts up – Fifteen points and I crushed double up. So like, process over results, I guess. And um, I wasn't mad. Like, I don't think my my cash lineup is too crazy this week.
2: No, it sounds like more like a single entry kind of GPP type of lineup, right? I just like the wide receiver pool this week for cash games is just was so weak. Like why, like why Cooper? Did you play Cooper because you weren't playing Zeke? And because just, I wasn't like, I playing Zeke. Yeah. Right, so you wanted Cowboys exposure. Okay, now yeah. now at least I get the mentality. No, no, no like, yeah,
1: like that was the that was the whole process, and like I just had a weird feeling that like Dallas was not going to be playing from ahead, and like my game script that I wanted was exactly what happened in the game. Like Dallas got behind. I, I was like, all right, here, you know, like, and it just didn't happen. You know,
2: did you look at Amari's zero at halftime? And and I did.
1: And- did I you thought you he got
2: hurt. yourself that you, you hope it's just a leg cramp?
1: Oh, God. Um, can so, you believe
2: that? I, uh, I heard Tony Romo say that. I'm like, no, we can obviously see it's not a leg cramp.
1: <laughs> I wasn't watching the game. So, like, NASCAR had just, like, had ended, like, 20 minutes before, like, the DAC injury happened. So, like, I was, like, going through. I do some CVS stuff and, like, input some stuff for, like, projected ownership for future races. So, um. That like that's what I was doing. So like I had tweeted out like that's when I had like when Dak got hurt I had tweeted out like did Amari Cooper get hurt like seriously asking if like he got hurt and like it was just terrible timing I didn't know I didn't know Dak just like broke his ankle like you know I I wish Dak a speedy recovery like I'm sad for him I feel like he was playing for that big contract and like he was having a year where like he was probably gonna get paid and hopefully he still gets paid but yeah like. I wanted Dallas exposure. I knew Zeke was going to be super popular. I knew CEH was going to be super popular. I was playing Davis and I was playing Hunt no matter what. It's just I couldn't decide on those two. Um, I forget who the wide receiver, like if I had Zeke, I forget who I went down to at wide receiver. Like
2: You didn't want to play Slayton in cash?
1: I did want to play Slayton. But like when Zacatus opened up, like, the build that I was building, like, I, I wanted Watson. I got Watson. I was going Watson or Bridgewater. Like, like the build just, I don't know. It, it just led me to Amari Cooper. Like, I had the money, and it was just like, I'm playing Amari Cooper. Like, he's been so consistent this season, too. I wasn't even, like, mad about playing Amari Cooper.
2: Right. I just, I just was building my lineups going, do I need to spend here?
1: Right. And no, I get that. It was always
2: going to be a slot that no matter what you did, there was always going to be a slot where you're like, I don't really need to spend up here, but I guess I'm just going to put salary there. And mine just happened to be defense because I just felt like I needed to block with Watson. I had no yeah. problem paying up. I could, I could have played Lamar. I could have, I mean, he had a bad game, but it just came to a matter of how am I more, more likely to get killed? How do I lower my variance? Cause the right. defense doesn't matter that much. So like typically you don't want to spend up at defense, but also, I don't want to get killed by getting my quarterback wrong. If I give up the defense, right. could be anything, right? The, the defense one could have two, one could have 20, whatever. So, like, I don't want to pick wrong at quarterback and lose. So, like, I knew that Watson was going to be the chalk, at least at the higher stakes. So, when in doubt on that 2v2, I'm going to decide with the chalkier guy. And if it just so happens I'm paying up a defense, that's where my money's going because I'm not getting off of Slayton as chalk, I'm not getting off of Robbie Anderson. You know, if anything, I would be paying up from, I could have, I wanted to go from Engram to Kelsey, but I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't do that without removing CEH because I didn't just didn't have enough money that I didn't have, a, there's no defense under 2K. So like, that was my consideration. Do I want to get off the of CEH knowing that he's chalk also? Like I look right. at that and go, I don't, I think CEH is not the, I, I wanted to play David Johnson, but then I plugged yeah. in David Johnson. And now I have way too much money. Now I go, up yeah, to like, and I still have, I still have nowhere to spend
1: it. I think that was like the biggest thing this week, right. Was just like Julio being out made the builds almost, I wouldn't say too easy, but it made it like people were going to end on almost the same thing. You know, Robbie Anderson, probably underpriced going up against Atlanta. Like let's, uh, let's kind of transition a little bit here. We have the massive $25 double up single entry, the $100 massive double up single entry and the $5 massive double up that you can put in 150 entries for double ups. So, um, again, like Jordan said, we're using DraftKings, um, looking at just quarterback throughout the contest. Like I think the biggest gap was the 25 to the five to the hundred. Um, a lot of people, played um you know kind of different in the 25 like it was a real mix between like watson and bridgewater but overall like watson was the consensus quarterback this week
2: right i mean if you just take a look at even at all positions to see how much of an overlap week this is in the massive hundred dollar single entry double up uh you only have nine roster slots six players were above 50 percent owned Yep. which means they were contained in more than half of the line past the cash line, Mike Davis, CH, Zacchaeus, Elliot, Anderson, and Slayton. So like that, and then other than Zacchaeus, who was, I mean, mega owned at 2.3. I mean, all of them did fairly enough. Well, I mean, CH didn't do well. It did, I mean, it didn't do great with 11 points, but Slayton at 23 Anderson at 22 Zeke at 23 Davis at 29. Right. Deshaun Watson at 29 at 25% ownership. So, yeah, you could have gone off CEH to Hunt. You could have gone off, you know, uh, Watson to Bridgewater. You could have gotten off of Engram to Kelsey and kind of build around there. But it kind of if you didn't hit that, like, that core, like, you probably did not cash. You would have needed, like, a, a lucky, you know, Cooks in your lineup or something. to get around somehow not having Olamide achaeus. But, I mean, for, and, and if you see the difference between the $100 double up and the $25 double up, like, we see some drastic splits kind of here. I mean, quarterback, uh, I mean, it seemed like there was more DAC ownership in the lower stakes, uh, more Bridgewater ownership in the lower stakes also. Uh, everything else seemed fairly, fairly straightforward. But, like, at the running back positions, like, in the $25 double up, you have Davis as minus 5% compared to the $25 one, hundred to the 25 CH 5% less Zeke 5% less. And then you have guys like, you know, Gurley got there and he was slightly more owned in the lower stakes. Uh, Drake was like twice his own. I mean, he was only like 3% owned, but I mean, you see a lot of people were in the lower stakes. Didn't play like one of like the core running back plays. And I mean, Compared to the massive $5 double up, which is the 150 like you, like that. Well, I know, Stevie, we talk, you talk a lot about contest selection. Yep. It, it's much, much, much better to play in the single entry $25 double up or even the single entry $100 double up than to play five entries into the $5 massive or 20 entries into the $5 massive because. The, the the sharper chalk plays are way more owned. Davis is 76% owned. Zeke was 76. CEH was 74. Uh, I mean, we all of the all of the, the the core plays that the chalk plays that did well were way more owned than that five dollar double up. And if you weren't on them, you got screwed because so many, you know, 150 lineups trains are in there. So I mean, to me, that's I mean, you see this in results DB like every week. As far as contest selection, the single, even if, even if you're going up in stakes, the hundred dollar double up single entry is easier than the five dollar multi entry double up.
1: I think one of the biggest things you can kind of look at, and like contest selection, I, I do talk about it a lot. I think it's one of the most. I think it's something that people don't talk about enough. Um, but like, look at the twenty five dollars single entry. Zacchaeus was fifty three percent in the five dollar massive double up he was seventy six percent it just tell it like it just gives you an idea of how much those like hundred and fifty team trains are moving ownership in those things and like th- th- sure there's gonna be weeks where like those teams don't go crazy and like they have bad weeks and you're gonna but like Like again, like at the end of the day, start your process off with the right, you know, contest selection, And, and like you're going to help yourself overall by the end of the season, and you know, definitely make out from it. So, um, you know, one of the things that I thought this week, like defenses, um, were kind of interesting this week. There wasn't like chalky defenses pre lock, like. But, like, we saw a lot of people play the, like, Texans defense, um, the Steelers defense, the Browns defense. But, like, were you a little shocked because we did have a 3K wide receiver that the Ravens defense wasn't more popular in cash?
2: Well, I just said that most people don't spend their money there.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're, I guess, they're most it,
2: likely spending it at running back. They're They're paying up a little bit more quarterback. I mean, like, just the way that the lineups came together – yeah. And most likely if you're paying up based on that lineup construction, you're playing for the Steelers if you're paying up cuz you just don't have the extra like 200 to get to the Ravens. It just so happened that that worked out. I mean, if you if you cuz they could term Stevie of would you rather have Daniel Jones and the Ravens defense or Deshaun Watson and the Texans defense? Like like you take the upgrade of quarterback every single time. If you were playing Kyle Allen in cash, sure, yeah, you could play the Ravens defense and hope for 26 points. But, I mean, you're probably not allocating your salary correctly. Like I said, the only reason I paid up for the Steelers is because I w- wanted to block with Watson and I didn't want to change the rest of my lineup. So my extra salary just happened to be there. I, would, I, could, I could have easily just played the Browns and left 1100 on the table if I wanted, and it would still would have been fine with me. But the Steelers against Carson Wentz seemed like a good spot. Why not, why not play them instead? So that's what I did. So, I mean, defense-wise, in GPPs, you should most likely be correlating them, if anything. So, it, uh, you know, if you're playing Zeke with no Giants, play the Cowboys defense. If you're playing Kareem Hunt with no Colts, play the Browns defense. Like, I mean, running back defense correlations is not as strong as people think it is because ceilings for defenses are tied primarily to, you know, touchdowns, pick sixes, kickoff returns, those types of things. But there is a positive correlation because, you know, the, the team gets up. Oh, and and then the workhorse running back runs the ball. So there is some correlation. So when in doubt, play the defense that correlates with one of your running backs. Don't force it in, but I think, I think that's a, you know, a key concept, but understand that defense is just extremely, extremely variant. So like, I don't go out of my way to say, I got to play this
1: defense. Let's move over to tournaments here. Um, Not 50%, but depending on like what tournament you played this week, we still saw really high ownership on running backs this week. I feel like, it was one of the positions that you could get one of the best leverages um, this week in general. Um, when you're looking at ownership from tournaments, kind of talk about like what your, your thought process was this week when it came to running back. And um, you can even like, I have my ownership percentages up for both sites still. So uh, we could even get into that a little bit. Um, what was your thought process at running back this week?
2: Okay. So yeah, I have my lineup HQ still up. Uh, I, I've been beating on this drum uh, all season because of the way that running backs are used in the NFL now. And with running backs being the most subject to touchdown variants that I'm more willing to pay down at running back. So I'm aiming, I could still play, I could still play expensive running backs, but I'm aiming that instead of playing three expensive running backs, I could play two. And then a cheap one, and then pay up at wide receiver, especially at on a week where not many people were paying up at wide receiver. So, like, yes, I had Mike Davis in half my lineups. Like to me, he was easy. Uh, I had Zeke in forty percent of my lineups. I was light on Ceh, but that's primarily because I was playing a lot of Mahomes stacks, so they don't correlate with one another. Uh, The the passing stacks negatively correlate with the running back, Uh, but I was playing. I played forty five percent David Johnson. At fifty two hundred, I played a ton of uh, uh, Josh Jacobs because obviously I'm playing chief stacks. I played a bunch of Antonio Gibson at five thousand. Uh, I mean, I did play plenty of Hunt. I did play uh, some James Robinson to go along with my my Texan stacks because he's a workhorse. He's going to be on the field ninety percent of the time. Played a little bit of Gurley, but that typically went went with my Panthers stacks. But I was building like that to get a cheap running back in so I could pay up and play DeAndre Hopkins play. I played a bunch. I was over the field on Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and Jamison Crowder as a, as a two plus one that did pretty well. I played it in a, even in like the power scoop, I think it came in like 42nd or something in that. So like, I was looking like, where can I spend where people aren't spending? And can I get, as many points from my cheap running back as people got from their more expensive ones. And it worked when it came to CEH and it worked when it came even hunt. It's not like he put up a massive game. None of the expensive running backs really put up a game that you needed. Maybe Davis, he put up nearly 30 points, but he's 6,400. So it's not like he's that expensive, but I mean, Sanders did, but he was barely played. So I was looking to play more Tyreek Hill, more, uh, like I said uh, before, like paying up a tight end, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, 5,800 for Jamison Crowder. didn't seem appealing. Devontae Parker was under-owned, play some of him at 5,900, play Amari Cooper, even though he didn't do well. And I was playing Amari Cooper in like giant stacks or Dak stacks without Zeke, like those types of things. So really at at running back, uh, I'm looking, can I find a player that can match the score of someone that will be chalky and $1,500, 2000 more expensive, and then get and then get access to those wide receiver ceilings that only that position has.
1: So I build a lot of like my three entry max and stuff uh by hand, but like so on FanDuel I run like a hundred team script. Um and then on DraftKings I play like the 20 entry max and like On FanDuel, I had a lot more exposure to the Arizona game. I wish I would have um, carried that over. But, like, in 20 Entry max, I usually pick, like, two or three games. I like to stack, and, like, I try to get both sides. And, like, for me, this week, it was the um, Houston-Jacksonville game with a lot more Minshew than Watson. Um, And then it was the Carolina-Atlanta game. And then, obviously, uh, the Giants and Dallas game. Um, So, like, I kind of went with three chalkier teams, but, like, I've made that up a lot this week with like Devonte Parker. Like he was a guy T Higgins, like these types of guys, like there were some guys that I really liked, but like at running back, like Mike Davis was my highest known guy. Like you, you said it when we were talking about cash games. Um, he is like 90% of CMC. He, he got hurt at one point and like, we all got a little nervous when he banged up his ankle, but, he was just going, his workload was just going to be so insanely high. And and like, he was still underpriced. He was still 6,400. He was still underpriced. So, um, and and like, when you look at like the bigger tournaments, we had him projected at 36% um, ownership for tournaments. And like his average was around 39. So like we had an idea. So like, I went, I went like 60 to 70% um, on Davis. Like I, I, I wanted to be that much over the field on him, but like, I, I got different with guys like James Robinson this week at running back. Um I really liked him. Um I, I wish I would have played more girly on DraftKings. I liked him on FanDuel, where you know touchdown dependent and stuff. But like overall, this week for me, when I'm looking through all this stuff and I'm looking at like ownership and everything like that, like the the correlations, it it's gonna drive me nuts. It's gonna continue to drive me nuts. Like We we have Patrick Mahomes in tournaments came in at like 14%. It seemed like a lot of people like liked him for tournaments. Kelsey came in at like 13%. And then like you look at you you gotta you gotta really continue to scroll down, like to find Oakland guys in in these stacks. And like if you like Kansas City that much and like he was the second highest owned quarterback on average for the tournaments that we're looking at, like again, like where's the correlation? Like Uh, You said you played some Kansas city stacks. Like, was it with Waller? Was it with rugs? Like rugs was 1.8% owned on average in these tournaments. He was under 3% and everything like this was a pivot off of all the cheap wide receivers and and like
2: direct pivot off of Slayton. He's 4,700. He's right right. in the price range. I had, okay. So I had looking at my quarterbacks, I played a hundred lineups total in large field. I played 20 chief stacks. OK, and I always have run So they're never in, like naked or anything like that. So in my 20 chief stacks, which is my highest out of the bunch. So he, he was my the, the most, the, sta- the, the stack of the game that I have the most. Uh, <clears throat> in those stacks, I had rugs. Let me take a look. Yeah, I had rugs in eight of them. I had Waller and rugs was only in Kansas City stacks. I was not playing rugs as a one off. So right. he only appeared in Kansas city three plus one stacks or two plus one stacks. And then I had waller in 15%. So yeah, he was primarily because waller was play was, was the run back. Typically the way that I worked it was that waller was the run back in non Kelsey Casey stacks and Ruggs was the wall run back in Kelsey stacks. So I'm not, so I'm not playing a too tight end lineup. So if I'm playing a Watkins Hill, I had tons of Watkins. I wish he played the second half. Me too. I mean, he got the touchdown. He got 10 points, but he, he could have could have done way better. So I was playing Mahomes, Hill, Watkins, and then Waller. Or Mahomes, Kelsey, Watkins with rugs, right? To, to fill in. I, and I didn't play Hill and Kelsey together because they're they're negatively correlated. Their ceilings are negatively correlated. So, so that's how I was. And I had like four hard been lineups. So, I mean, that was thrown in. Uh, I had Nelson Aguilar in like two lineups and I eventually got rid of them because I'm like, why, why play Aguilar when I could just I'll move down my defense and I could play Ruggs in those lineups instead. Because if anyone's going to break the slate where the game goes over, who is it going to be on the field? It's going to be some, you know, it's going to be someone like Henry Ruggs. I didn't expect him to be high owned or anything, but when I saw it was 1.5% owned, I'm like, and he caught that first pass. I'm like, like, give me more of that. But like you said, I it, we see this week after week where a stack will have a certain amount of ownership and then the, the runbacks will be severely under-owned for no apparent reason. Uh, I mean, we didn't see necessarily see that. I mean, we take a look at like Ru- Ridley's exposure. Like Ridley's, Ridley was, you know, 15%. Okay, so that makes sense in the Carolina type stacks. Uh, I, I get, I mean, cause people played Zacchaeus. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then, and then Slayton and Cowboy stacks. It's like you, f- you find that people do it in like the chalkier stuff and then the chiefs will still be 15% owned and then no, no one's running it back. Or like, uh, like how many, like LaVisca Chenault was 7% owned, even though the, the Texan stacks were, were very owned. And Fuller was like three times more owned than Cooks. And, you know, I love that for my Cooks lineups because apparently uh, enough people saw zero last week and said, I mean, I ain't playing him again. So I'm like, great, give me double the field of him. So give it to me if no one's going to play him.
1: Right. Yeah. I talked about him on the Morning Grind football podcast this week. Like he he still outsnapped everybody on that team. Like he was still on the field running routes more than anybody. Like, you know, so yeah again we don't do this you know if one of us have a a huge score like we'll 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 obviously talk about that but like it's more of we're trying to help your process like if you're building a three-person kansas city stack build it a few times with waller build it a few times with rugs like get the exposure don't just build these chalky like three mans and forget about the other team because for your three man to get to where you want it to get to, you're gonna want the other team to score some points too. and we talk about it in NBA, you know, we talk about it in you know uh, other stuff like uh, obviously uh, NBA probably the most besides football, but you know baseball stacking, you're not you, sometimes your game stacking, but like uh, again, you know, you see these ownerships, you use results, DB. And obviously you'll see guys like Claypool on the winning team on some tournaments today. And like going into the, going into the slate, you probably weren't looking at Claypool. I wasn't looking at Claypool. He scored 45 points. He was cheap. Like, I, I, okay. Like, don't look at guys like that. Look at like, look at where, where were your stacks? Where did you go into the slate? I went into the slate super high on Jacksonville. So like I played a lot of DJ Chark. He busted. Okay. I played a lot of Chenault, too, and he did fine. So, like, I gave myself opportunity. I ran it back with Cooks. I ran it back with Fuller. I didn't run it back with the tight ends. Um, You know, thinking back, maybe I should have, but like, how do you make your process better is what we are trying to help you do. Like, obviously, we'll sit here and we'll look at these tournaments and, you know, we'll see who wins and all that stuff. But, like, Robbie Anderson was 30% owned today. DJ Moore was 13%. Like, where can you get leverage in, in some of these popular games? And, like, I think that's one of the best examples. Like, Robbie Anderson still had a really good game, but, like, DJ Moore is starting to come alive. Like, there was enough leverage there. It's just, uh, again, like, where can you get leverage? You know, quarterback, You're you're hardly ever going to get a ton of leverage at quarterback. You look at, like... Cash games, quarterbacks, they're going to be popular. You look at tournaments, everybody's stacking and, you know, doing stuff like that. Like the ownership is always going to be pretty spread out. So a a spot you could have got leverage at quarterback this week was Kyler Murray. You know, Kyler Murray has 30 plus point upside. The game script was going to be fantastic in that game. It was projected for the highest pace because the jets and the Cardinals play super fast. So like you could have got leverage there and it sounded like blender got leverage in that game. Um, And then like, You can get, like, good pieces with DeAndre Hopkins and Crowder. And where can you get better in your process is, like, I learned from these shows. We do these shows, and, like, I'm still picking stuff up. And, like, I'm trying to refresh my process. And, like, you know, just look at the tournaments. So, we're looking at, like, the Millie Maker. We're looking at the $100 single entry, the $12 single entry, the 20 entry max. Like, looking at these tournaments, and, like, there's plenty of places to get leverage. Where are you playing? Are you a lower stakes player? Okay. You're probably looking at the fair catch single entry. Where can I get leverage in that tournament? Like you you have to do this. This is what you should be doing on Monday and Tuesday every week.
2: Right. And also not just leverage, but correlation. You have to correlation. Yeah. I I had a conversation uh, with someone over the weekend uh, that that bought my course, theory of DFS.com, a little cheap plug there. Check it Um, out. Yeah. I talk about this. I talk about this all the time. You're building lineups for outcomes. You're not predicting outcomes. So you look at a lineup, for instance, if you're going to play Calvin Ridley in a lineup and you have choices at running back to play, play Mike Davis in that lineup. Why? Because it's correlated. Mike Davis is running the ball on one side, catching passes and Ridley You know, if the game goes over and the the play's going back and forth, they correlate with one another. So if if you're going to have Ridley as a one-off with no other Panthers, that doesn't make as much sense if you have the option. If you're going to say, do I play Mike Davis in this lineup or do I play Kareem Hunt for a hundred more, right? Which is pretty, you could move your defense. It doesn't matter what the price is. Well, if you already have Ridley in the lineup, you should be playing Davis. If you don't have anyone in that game for the Carolina Atlanta game, then play Hunt because then it's then you you're you're building that lineup for that game to fail. It doesn't mean you think it's going to fail, it's just that, that that's what that lineup is built for. If you built the lineup without Carolina Atlanta in it or without New New York Dallas in it, you built those for the outcomes in which those two games fail. Like the stacks don't get there. I mean it doesn't mean that they don't put up points or whatever, just that the stacks don't get there. So if let's say I'm building a a, a Mahomes lineup you know they were under. I think the Chiefs were owned, but they were under owned for what they should have been. So if I'm building a lineup that's Mahomes, Hill, Watkins, Waller, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not putting, uh, I'm not putting uh, uh, like Slayton in that lineup. I'm not put, I'm not putting a because I have Watkins in that spot, that that price range. That I'm, I'm making this lineup as as if the Dallas Giants game failed. The only players that that could do well in a failed game are typically running backs, like running back ceilings. You know, someone goes off for 180 yards and the game just, you know, not enough plays, but you know, Zeke has 180 yards and two touchdowns. I could do that as a one-off. So maybe I do that, but I don't play a run back with him. I just like, just plug him in. Right. David Johnson. If I'm going to play David Johnson, I'm not, I'm not playing. I'm not going to be playing fuller. I'm going to play as if the Texans, only score, you know, 17 points, but David Johnson has a touchdown in a hundred yards. I'm building the lineup for that instance. So if those games fail, I now have the opportunity to win. It's not that I think the Chiefs are putting up the most points. It's just that I think they put up more points in comparison to the other stacks failing. So I don't want to use players that are in those other stacks that are going to be popular. This is what you hear on a lot of shows. I don't want to play a chalky one-off. Because if the chalky one-off gets there, most likely the stack has gotten there, and you don't have the stack. If you're going to play Robbie Anderson in your lineup, and uh, and and Calvin Ridley in your lineup, uh, like you might as well play Brid- you might as well play Bridgewater now. Like the only way that those two guys correlate, Ryan or Bridgewater is going to be attached to those guys. Just like if you're going to play, uh, if, I mean, I, I could look at some so many other guys. If you're going to play Ingram, Slayton, those type of guys that play play Jones in the lineup. Don't play them as one-offs. I never, I didn't play a Slayton in a single one-off in any of my GPP lineups because I knew that that game would be somewhat chalky. So like I, I'm going to play for it to fail. I'm going to play Zeke in those lineups or Devante Freeman in those lineups or may, maybe Tate because he's lower owned at least. So, you know, maybe he gets there, but no one else gets there. So I'm not predict like it's a very big key, and I, I know it may frustrate some people, especially when talking in the Roto Grinders Discord for premium members. I'm always in there, so sign up for premium. That you know, when I say play whoever you want, like it's based on that concept of like make the lineup make sense so it has first place win equity for an outcome, and you're not predi- you're, you're not. Go- I don't enter a lineup going who do I think is going to score the most points. I'm. I'm I think of. Well, if the Chiefs Raiders games goes over, how does that stack win? Okay. Well, that stack wins by Mahomes plus Hill plus Watkins plus Waller. And it also means that the Cowboys game went under. It also means that the Falcons game went under it. So like, I got to stay away from those games. And then I take a Kareem hunt and then I take, you know, I take a Antonio Gibson in that lineup and I correlate Gibson with Cooper cup. So it gets me a little extra correlation in there. That's the win situation for that lineup. And then I move to the next lineup. Maybe the next lineup is me stacking the, the Giants Cowboys game. It's it, it completely different from the first lineup. Now I'm making a lineup for that win condition. So in that lineup, maybe I don't have Tyreek Hill. Because if the Tyreek Hill gets there, then it's quite possible that the Chiefs stacks the ones that get there. And that lineup doesn't win. So I think that, that that's that's the biggest key on how you start your lineup construction is not is It sounds counterproductive of don't think in terms of who will do well. This is what what good players talk about roster construction, lineup construction, why it's a skill. This is why top players do well in GPPs. They build quality lineups for different outcomes. So if you have 20 lineups, you have 20 different outcomes. So you could have things that are completely opposite to one another if you want the different lineups, as long as the lineup in and of itself makes sense.
1: For sure. And you can correlate your whole team. Like, not just a a stack. You can correlate a stack inside of a stack. You can correlate a running back with its defense. You can correlate your whole team. Like, it it doesn't have to just be your main stack. Like, you start, like, digging through, like, winning tournaments of, like, single entry and three entry max, and, like, they're not always perfectly correlated, but they are still correlated to a point most of the time. Like, there's some slates where you just have – three really, really random cheap guys go off and none of the chalk games go off, but yeah, it's still well, an like, outlier. Like for
2: instance, like for instance, Stevie, like as, as someone that understands the, those concepts, if I, if I told you why did most of my Devonte Parker lineups fail?
1: Cause like you probably played Kittle. Reason.
2: Right. There you go. <laughs> right. See now, now you get right. I probably had Kittle in those lineups and Kittle did horribly. So most of my Parker lineups are dead because it's gonna be correlated with the, the best player on the other side of the, the ball. Like I like if if uh I, why did I have Zach Pascal in like three lineups?
1: Um you're probably playing Hunt.
2: Right. There you go. Hunt's in that one. I had I, to
1: think about who they were playing for. A you right, I got know, me. but I'm saying it like that's a the con-
2: like like, yeah. I don't think Pascal's going to do well. It's just that, well, if that game happens to blow up, Pascal at 2% ownership at 4,400, same in that range, 4,600. So he was in that with Slayton, Tate, like kind of little chalky range over there. Same reason for Jamison Crowder. Like Jamison Crowder did well. Like those lineups did well. Why? Because who was probably in my Jamison Crowder lineups?
1: Jets, Arizona, Hopkins, right. Hopkins Murray. and Murray, right.
2: Exactly, <laughs> right. That's... So that's that's what I mean. I don't have just I don't <laughs> I don't have many lineups that it's just James and Crowder just floating off into nothing, like it's yeah. If I'm playing a bunch of Murray and that goes together, it, I mean that and that's that's how you get there. Oh, my James Robinson lineups ruined my Brandon Cooks Watson stacks. So okay, because those go, those goes together. But I mean, it's most likely I don't have them as one of because I'm trying to correlate as much as possible. So they're all tied together. So if one guy does well, I'm hoping the other guy, does. my Cooper cup lineups were in my Antonio Gibson lineup. I mean, like it's like, that's, if you're going to play those guys, build those types of lineups.
1: This is also why you can't just go into an optimizer, click a couple buttons in 20 minutes and hit done and save your lineups to a CSV and put them on a website.
2: Well, you can't. If you correlated Travis Fulgham and Chase Claypool, <laughs> you can. If you lock button them in as a correlation, they were a 1 1.
1: Well, you could do whatever you want, but like, right, if, you could, you don't, if
2: you could have done that.
1: I didn't, you don't know. Somebody, would. like, I, I get so many questions on like, so I, I MME NASCAR a lot. So, like, I get a lot of questions on like NASCAR, and they're like, you know, why is it? Why are you still building lineups? Like, it takes me like two hours to set up lineup HQ for one, for one race, like for a football slate, if it's not taking you at least an hour, you're probably not doing it right.
2: (laughs) Right. Typically I'm, I'm working on lineups. I work on a build like typically before I do my periscopes late Saturday nights. So like, you know, seven, eight o'clock and takes me two hours. I'm generating lineups like a hundred times. I mean, Cause I'm missing a group. I mean, I have like, I like i I have it up. I literally I have it saved.
1: Yeah. Player- like how many times do you click it the first time and be like, all right, I like this. I'm done. Like oh, I, I, I never, know, but never
2: said exposures yet. Like never. Like, <laughs> I have 29 groups in lineup HQ for this past slate. There you go. 29 groups, but the groups are stuff like uh, don't play Davis and Gurley in the same lineup. Uh, if I'm playing Ian Thomas as a tight end, make sure he's only tied with Br- Teddy Bridgewater. So he's only going to show up in Bridgewater stacks. And then I have a like, don't play Ridley and Gurley together because I was playing, I was thinking about playing some three plus twos and I didn't want them both together. So like, I could run through all of them. And then when when I, I set up all the groups based on the player pool that I put together, and then I don't set any exposures on players. I just run it just to see based on median projection what I'm getting a lot of. And I'm like, yep. do I want... Eighty percent, you know, Bridgewater stacks. Like, no. So I cap him at twelve. So I'm like, now that I'm, he's capped at twelve. What's it going to give me more of? And then I just keep on doing that until it's like, okay, that I have a nice base to start from. Look at the lineups and then see if I missed any groups. Do these correlations make any sense? And then go through from there. And then, then, then you could tweak. So I hit that button on Lineup HQ, that blue button that says Build 100 Lineups. I must have hit that, I don't know, fifty times. Right. And that's that. And that's me as an experienced player, right? Like I know how to all the intricacies of lineup HQ and I'm doing that 50 times. So you may be doing it a hundred times, but I don't know anyone. I literally don't know any MME player that sets everything up and all the numbers and within like one or two times presses the button and that's their CSV. That doesn't happen.
1: No. And you might change like range of outcomes from like, optimal to 5% to 10% to, like you sometimes i'm at like 40% before like i get a build that like i like and this is more nascar than football but you have to take your time like don't rush to it like you can start setting up your lineup hq thursday friday saturday like it doesn't have to and like adjust to your player exposures on on inactives but like the way that like football is with Adam Scheffner and stuff like we have a really good idea of who is not going to play and who's going to play almost every week. So you can really start setting your lineup HQ up. Um, You you mentioned three, two, I had my, my thing up and I have a three, two in front of me. (laughs) It was, it was Ryan Ridley gauge Anderson Davis. And then like I ran it, I had a hunt T Y Hilton, like correlation in that three, two as well. So played a lot of T Y Hilton. With um my cream hunt today, so um right, but to two- go
2: but to go through the groups like when when you when you because people ask about groups all the time in lineup HQ, yep. that you know like what I said before if I didn't want to play rugs as a one off, I didn't know that until I saw my lineups like I built it and I didn't realize and I saw lineups that just had rugs in it, and then at that moment I go is that smart should I have rugs with no chiefs. Just Ruggs goes off and somehow the Chiefs, to, what, the Raiders just, uh, he has 130 yards and two touchdowns and the Chiefs just sit there doing nothing? I mean, like, so I was thinking, do I play Ruggs with CEH, like, as a 1-1? Like, can I do that? And I'm like, well, if CEH has a big game, probably uh, the Raiders didn't do all that well. So maybe I don't play them together. And then I go, okay, I'm only playing Ruggs in basically, I'm not playing any two tight end lineup, so I don't have to worry about the slot. So then I go into the groups and I basically put rugs as the conditional player and then I set the group as Mahomes cuz I'm not playing any car stacks. So basically a one a min one max one of Mahomes. So basically any rugs lineup needs to have Mahomes which basically means that that's the run back. I mean if I had car in there if I had was playing raider stacks, the group would have Mahomes or car. So that would prevent rugs from ever appearing as a one-off because the quarterback which is the head of the stack that's what it's going to be so that's what I that's what you should be going through where are the correlations what makes sense and then on Sunday morning I'm going through my lineups one by one and make and and double checking going should should I be playing Gage as a one-off hmm sometimes you just get into a a mold of like you're not sure should I be playing Sammy Watkins as a one-off should I be playing LaVisca as a one-off and then you may decide he go, okay, maybe Chanel shouldn't be a one-off. Let me tie him to Watson or mid And then, so he doesn't show up and then I build again, but that's all based around lineup construction. That's not based around like who's going to do well. I just want to make sure my lineups make sense.
1: Make sure your lineup makes sense. I they tell a story. That's the, what Peter yes.
2: Overset says. It has to tell a story.
1: Yes, he he is funny, but that is true. Um, all right. We had two questions on Twitter that we'll get to. We're running out of time here. I think we can get through these questions pretty quick. Um, one of the questions was like, if you're building a correlation stack since we're talking about it right now, like if you're running a quarterback, wide receiver and a wide receiver tight end running back from the other team, do you ever throw in the defense? Um, I'll, I'll let you do this one.
2: Defense doesn't matter. Uh A lot of people think that the defense and offensive players are negatively correlated. That's incorrect. A lot of times they are positively correlated. They're probably negatively correlated to the opposing running back, right? So you wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't play uh, Zeke Elliott and then the giants defense, right? You wouldn't want to play a workhorse running back with the opposing defense, but the defense in and of itself is still positively correlated with the, the passing attack of the other team. There's a pick six, that's how the defense gets a ceiling. And then the other team gets the ball back again. So now, you now the wide receivers get more targets. So never feel, I mean, it's not something I, it's not even something I think about, on, especially on shorter slates. It's very, it's something you could exploit on shorter slates since people don't do it. They go, how do I, how do I stack three guys and then play the defense against them? It's like, what happens? To, we've had games where there's two pick sixes and then, you know, the other team gets the ball back again. And then they put up a ceiling trying to come back in return. So you can do it. So even on, on, on uh, lineup HQ, I sometimes do set max offense versus defense is one, you know, or, or or one, two, three. And I mean, I got to make sure that, you know, that makes sense, but like, it's not something I go out of my way because defensive ceilings come from defense and special teams, touchdowns, which in turn give the ball back to the opposing offense.
1: Yeah. Like that three, two, that I was just talking about. I had the Cleveland defense with hunt and T Y Hilton. I don't care. Like it it made the build and especially when you, when you're talking like cheap defenses, like I had some, I had some Miami stacks with Parker and Kittle. Like to me, I'm with you. I won't play an opposing running back against my defense or an opposing quarterback that would be dumb i don't care what anybody says don't play no, the
2: quarterback's fine they can throw for five hundred no. yards and some pick sixes you
1: can no. nope can't do it i can't mentally do that like I, I get it like you know
2: i do that in showdown i mean that's the, the oh showdown. showdown
1: showdown's way different like that's a that's a whole nother hour of talking um all right, the other question we have was game for, for game selection. I think game selection is super important. Um, I talk about this. I, I try to work it into like the morning grind game, um, especially like during basketball season and stuff. like it, it's the thing that I think is the most overlooked but game selection is important for knowing how much you want to play. whether you play a100 dollars and you want to play a hundred dollars in tournaments every week, whether you play a100 dollars and you want to play like fifty dollars in, in cash games and fifty dollars in tournaments like game selection is important to know what you want to play blender plays more in football than I do. I play more in NASCAR than he does. He plays more in soccer than I do. Like you have to know what you're playing. My game selection in football is going to be different than blenders. Cause he's going to attack it from a cash standpoint. I play some cash games, but I play a lot more single entry and three entry max attacking that kind of it. So you have to know what you want to do with your money each week before you can really like, start narrowing down like your game selection like if you're gonna play a hundred teams or a hundred dollars in tournaments a week on say DraftKings or something like what do you want to do do you want to play a bunch of teams well then like a 20 entry max is probably the best for you and then add on some single entry stuff like I'll let you kind of get into it too but like this is something that new players and players that have been playing for a while just don't Put the time into and like we have a free extension that tells us everything that we need to know about a contest before we even enter it.
2: Also, you have to consider the context of the slate. I base my contest selection about around the context. So looking at the slate, I typically like I do play single entry, but that's not my focus. I'll play a one lineup in the spy, I'll play a lineup in the power sweep. The $50 single entry is called something or whatever. I'll play five of those types of lineups. I'll hand build them. But most likely I'm playing heavy on cash and heavy on large field, like dollar and a dream. You know, the, the $9 slam, which has a good payout structure. I'll play 50 entries into that. The $3.20 max with 100K up top, I'll put 20 into that. These are large field stuff. And I'm good at large field where you need to maximize leverage, the correlation to the max, because that's what I'm good at. And then cash is just the median build. But I looked at the context of this slate and it made me for cash games, play a lot more head to heads. I folk, I, I, I didn't even care if I was playing sharper players in head to heads. I just wanted to get as much head to head exposure as I can, because I thought the variance on the slate would be extremely high because there would be so much overlap. Right. We, we just, it, I just saw the builds going, there's going to be like three or four builds. I mean, like I just, it's going to be a two V two galore between a lot of this and in double ups where it's like the cash, either you win a lot, or you win all of them, or you lose all of them. I don't want to be put in a situation where uh I played Slayton over Tate and lost all my double ups, or I, I played a defense that like it's a two v two. It's like the difference of two players. It's not we're not gonna see that much diversity. So at least in head to heads, if I lose, I could I yeah, I could lose sixty percent of my head to heads and I didn't lose all my money, or I could win sixty percent of my head to heads and I could profit a little. So in the context of that slate for cash, although I did play plenty of double ups, I focused so much. I'm just, okay, I'm going to post more 109s. I'm going to post way more 50s. So I just have a a diverse uh, opponent spread so I could just mitigate that variance. That's the reason why I played Watson over over the blitz optimal because since I need to block Watson, I know he's going to be chalky. And this is a 2v2 slate galore. So that's that. And then in large field, I'm like, okay, this is a great slate because I could predict the ownership so much better. The, those types of constructions were very easy to see. So it's like, okay, how do I play a lineup without a 3K wide receiver in it? What do those lineups look like? How do I play a lineup with Zeke that doesn't have any part of that game? How do I, like, because I, I know what my opponents are going to do so much better because it was clear. It was clear, you know, we had that slate with the, 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 the Arizona chalk, like that was a clear one. And I like, I like loading up on large field GPPs when it could be clear that I'm going to be able to get the Chiefs Raiders stack at much lower ownership because two other games are going to be more chalky. So that's when I load up on that. So like that, that's how I view things. So next week's slate could be completely, next week's slate, I may look at cash and be like, wow, there's like 20 different ways you could go here. Well, then I'm going to play more double ups. Then I'm going to, I'm, I have no problem with that. I think my skill mitigates that. And then if there's a slate where there's no clear chalk, like where everything is spread out, I consider that to be a poor GPP slate. Some people call it a good GPP slate because it's like, wow, you have so many more options. But for someone that prides themselves on like uh, exploiting leverage, it's kind of hard to exploit leverage when everyone's 20% owned. Like there's no, like, I don't have a CEH at 30% where I could go, I'm going to play the passing game. Like you're not going to, you're just not going to get that. So like, then I go like, then typically I'm more likely to play single entry stuff. And I don't play as much of the large field stuff. So like, that's how you should be thinking. Not necessarily like how much you're playing or whatever, but what type of slate is this? And then what's the best way based on your strengths of where you should allocate your bankroll?
1: Yeah, I was talking more like as far as like knowing what you're playing. Like, if you're a casual player and you're wanting to play hundred dollars a week, th- that's kind of what I meant. I feel like it, did I go too far? <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good, man. I I think I think it's always helpful for people to hear this kind of stuff. Like, I have so there's only like ten contests up for next week's main slate on DraftKings, and like so, here is one. Right, like if you're playing. If you're a lower stakes player and you want to get exposure to tournaments, the one dollar twenty entry on on DraftKings, like you're playing against a lot of people, you have to play this like a large field tournament. There's two hundred thirty seven thousand people in this tournament. The it pays twenty seven percent of the field, and the top ten is only getting fourteen percent. But somebody's going to turn twenty bucks into ten grand. So like, you're still going to need the nuts to take down a 237,000 player tournament, but like it pays out 27%. Like if you build quality teams, you could have one or two teams do well, make your 20 bucks plus some and like learn and like build your 20 entry max skill up until you're playing like the three, the $3 the three dollars one, And like, then you're playing for a hundred K up front and like you have to, you have to build your craft, Blender. You have to work on your craft. That's
2: what I did. I played. Pe- people, people are amazed when I say I just started with four hundred bucks and I was playing the quarter arcade. That's how do how do you think I learned how to do this? I mean, right? And then I I was bad in the beginning also, and then I had to learn stuff. And then I, you know what I did? I subscribed to Roto Grinders. So I read all. That. I mean, like, like this doesn't just come out of nowhere. So, like, yes, I. I mean, I there were the days that with $20 GPPs, I was like, wow, I, I can't play a $20 GPP. I'm playing like the dollar contest or whatever. That's a big, if I want a satellite into that, like my $20 entry was like my little handcrafted thing of like, I got my one little $20 <laughs> entry. You know, it's better than this coin, you know, the 10 quarter arcade ones that I'm doing, but then, but I knew that in the quarter arcade and the dime times or whatever, the dollar you're still playing large field contests. So you have to build lineups like that, that's, that, uh, that, those are YOLO. I know that, th- that my, my $10 into that is like, I got to aim for first. And then when you aim for first and weeks go by and you lo- you turn $10 into $6 and $10 into $8, $10 into 22. Woo. Eventually you get good enough where you turn $10 into 5,000, you know, coming in second or something. And now like now, now you could play the $3 20 yep. And that, that like, let's literally, that that, that, that's, that's, that's how I started. The difference, if you're listening now and you've been playing DFS for like less than a year, the difference between me and you is that I'm just five years ahead of you. So like, you're, you're not at, you're not at a level, right? I mean, that's the only difference. It's like, you know, if I go back to myself from 2000 and early 2016, I'd look at myself and go, wow, that guy was an idiot. (laughs) Like that guy doesn't know anything. But I think of that even from myself a year ago. A year ago from now, before last NFL season, I'm like, wow, I made a bunch of mistakes last season, and I thought I was good last season. If you're not constantly thinking like that, like, then you're not learning.
1: I made a lot of mistakes last NFL season, too, so um, a <laughs> lot of mistakes last NFL season. But anyway, listen, like you said, you're five years, like, oh, man, I've been doing this for over 10. <laughs> what does that make me? <laughs> well, the, no, the, the, the classic expression,
2: because uh. sometimes hey, – there's a difference between uh, playing for like it's it's did are did you play for five years? Because I talk to people, they're like, I've been playing DFS for 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 eight years, and I and blah blah blah, and like like no, you played DFS for one year eight times, like you never learned. So it's not yeah. necessarily the amount of time that you played. Because Stevie, like you you played for ten years, but you you we all make mistakes. I mean, there's probably oh, yeah. the beginning. That, you oh, know.
1: I, I've told this story on the podcast many, many times, but I deposited like 600 bucks on FanDuel in 2009. Um, and I probably lost it in a month, like, it was really and quick. And that
2: first slate still hasn't paid out yet. That's they're, they're really, <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: uh, I got excited. I, I switched to FanDuel really quick, and like the scores changed, but it's because the NASCAR like popped up. But, um, I was like, oh, but yeah, so. Fandle did send out a tweet that they're going to be probably Monday on that stuff. So we can all probably go to bed and... Monday. <laughs> so.
2: But can you believe that there's someone that, that went to sleep tonight that doesn't realize that they're a millionaire?
1: Yeah. Like, uh, like if you, if you played like Claypool, right. Like you're looking through your Claypool teams, like, or, or Fogle, full or whatever his name is. Like you're looking through those teams Brendan cooks. Like you're looking through those teams, like on FanDuel, like I know I didn't win a tournament on FanDuel. I didn't play those guys. So like, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping I made money. Like, (laughs) so, (laughs) uh, blender. It's always fun on Mondays to break this stuff down. Um, we'll tomorrow be talking baseball. Um, Tampa beat Houston in game one on Sunday night. Um, there is the games on Monday and, um, Sorry, we're not covering those, but we'll be back with baseball tomorrow, breaking down the Tuesday slates uh, it'll be game two for the NLCS and game three for the ALCS. Uh, we'll be talking about baseball all week. Plus, we'll have some football. We're going to be joined by one of the specialist guys, um, you know, to talk some specialist stuff as well. Uh, Blender, any final thoughts before we get out of here? one more time should, website what's the website TheoryofDFS.com. theory of
2: DFS.com. it's a 15hour audio masterclass. plenty like of time
1: said. sports are like winding down there's plenty of time to to take the course now
2: and, and Sean Newsham who's gonna be on for the specialist stuff yep he's probably he's probably the best specialist in like like if there's a sport if, if there was DFS badminton he'd be good at it he, <laughs> it, he he's he's uh, him and and uh, and Alex who came on fear the turtle like these are guys that I block in the soccer lobby. So like so you you got you got the best here especially when it comes to soccer especially with the projections and everything. If you want to play EPL coming up or a Champions League for soccer, it's like go into the soccer channel, subscribe for premium and and subscribe to the specialist stuff because those are those are two guys that I don't want to play in the head-to-head lobby and the soccer head-to-head lobby doesn't have that many players in it so it's like we all block each other. So so I give that as a as a two thumbs up for the specialist package.
1: There you go. Um, uh, I don't know what we're talking about when we do the podcast um this week for the specialists. I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna have the you know Sean Newsham, like uh Blender was saying, we're gonna have him on once a week uh this month. And we're just kinda gonna see what we have. Maybe it's esports, there's a lot of stuff going on with esports. I don't know when soccer starts back up, I don't know when tennis starts back up, but like we're gonna talk something. So we have a fun, we have a bunch of stuff planned for this week. Um, That's it. That's going to wrap it up here for the week five NFL review. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, Hopefully you learned something. I learned something and um, that's it. We'll see you guys uh, next week for week six review.